Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Reboots, Remakes, Comic Book Movies, and Sequels to Reboots, Remakes, and Comic Book Movies. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Zorg Industries, breaking windows to stimulate the economy, Zorg Industries. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is a show where we like to analyze, break down movies, see what they're made of from a filmmaker standpoint. Because if we can kind of, I guess, understand what goes into making a movie, especially the good ones, and maybe we'll appreciate them just a little bit more. Even the bad ones. <laughs> Even the bad ones. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. they take a lot of effort to ruin. Um, it's hard. No matter. It's the same amount of energy that goes into making a bad movie that goes into making a good movie. And the only difference is who's making it. <laughs> <laughs> the taste of the person making the it. The taste maker. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And today we're going to be covering the Sunset Limited. It's a HBO film. And if you haven't seen it, be forewarned. There's a lot of spoilers coming ahead. And go watch it. If you can spoil this. True. I mean, I uh, guess you can kind of, but like it's not, I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Yeah. Having said that, we're going to be doing – it's an HBO film, and it's wonderful. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. If not, then stick around or not. That's up to you. I can't yeah. do spoilers, man. That's just yeah. like sin for me, yeah. pun intended. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We'll be discussing the cinematography, uh, a little bit of like what it means to shoot in such a small space and keep it alive. Uh, we'll talk on the acting, some of the writing. And today we are also joined by a very special guest and close friend, Barnabas. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Vessel B. Um, what do you do for a living? I'm one of the pastors at Mosaic Church in Austin. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and it'll become apparent at some point, I'm sure, why we're bringing Barnabas in. Yeah. He has a very unique perspective as a pastor that as two agnostic guys, I think, I'm certainly agnostic, but it will be a inter more interesting conversation than just having uh, two heathens going at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's a quick synopsis. The quickest synopsis that we have ever had, yeah, really, is beautiful. Uh, two men in an apartment with their opposing beliefs. Nice. Uh, it's directed by Tommy Lee Jones, written by McCormick McCarthy, starring Samuel L. Jackson as black and Tommy Lee Jones as white. What things? I believe in things. Give me a for instance. Um, cultural things, for instance, books, music, art, things like that. All right. Those are the things that have value to me. They're the foundations of civilization. Well, they used to have value to me. I don't have so much value anymore, I guess. What happened to them? People stopped valuing them. I stopped valuing them to a certain extent. I'm not sure I can tell you why. And that world is largely gone now. It's Soon it will be wholly gone. I'm not sure I'm following you, Professor. There's nothing to follow. It's all right. The things I loved were very frail, very fragile. I didn't know that. I thought they were indestructible. They weren't. And that's what sent you off the edge of the platform? It wasn't nothing personal? Oh, it's personal. That's what an education does. It makes the world personal. Well, them some very powerful words, Professor, and, and I can't say that I got an answer to none of that. And, and it might be that there ain't no answer. But still, I got to ask. 
What's the use of having notions such as them if they won't keep you glued down to the platform when the Sunset Limiters come through at 80 miles an hour? Good question. I thought so. I don't have an answer to any of that either. Maybe it's not logical. I don't know. I don't care. I've been asked, didn't I think it odd that I should be around to witness the death of everything? And I do think it's odd. But that doesn't mean it isn't so. Somebody has to be here. But you don't intend to hang around for it. No, I don't. <laughs> That's, I mean, you can pick any moment out of this movie. And right, it's yeah. going to be a very thick and rich scene, debate, discussion, mm-hmm. performance, all of it's amazing. But I'll just jump into all my notes real quick so that we can just blast through this and get to the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love how it opens on black contemplating and white looking miserable and distressed. And it almost feels like a chess match where black is winning. And there's just a lot of very strong, maybe not a lot, but there's some very strong imagery that they're pulling on such as that, right? It's like a chess match sitting at the table, even the way they're facing each other um, across from the small table. And it feels like they're playing a game of chess. And obviously that's what's happening on a very larger scale in their conversation and relationship. But there's other things in here too. Uh, the scene where Tommy Lee or Professor White lays down on the couch and it looks like a therapy scene where he's just getting kind of ministered to and he's picking him apart about his dad and his relationships. Um, you also have this moment towards the end where Tommy Lee, or God, Professor White, um, goes over to the window and he's just staring at the window. And then we go into this kind of profile view and in his line of sight, as he's looking out the window, we can't see the window, but what we can see is this circle of light from a lamp on the wall. And it looks like he's literally looking at the light of a tunnel and he's staring into his future there, uh, which is to say his death. And it's framed right in his eye line. And what I love is that Black steps in front of it. It's like he's visually interceding on his behalf between his goal, uh, Professor White's goal, and, you know, <laughs> his his own insertion of, of what he's trying to do. It's a very strong, simple visual thing that it's just there. They're just constantly implying all these little things through the imagery. And those are subtle, subtle moments that I think helps add these extra layers and textures to the film. Um, I also love the... As the dialogue begins, we have this really long descending and winding shot, and it's great. It Long takes with slow movement keep us from getting visually tired, and in the movie where you're just sitting in one space for all this time, you need these moments because if you immediately start moving into coverage, just popping around, well, then we've kind of exercised all there is to see in this room. And it's no longer interesting, and that's when you start to lose the attention of the audience. And so the more you can kind of keep it fresh and visually interesting, and they do that throughout the film, right? They're they're shifting from the kitchen to the sofa and then back to the kitchen and to the stove area even. And at a certain point, they're sitting next to the window and talking. And so you're just constantly exploring, and even though the the textures are largely the same, you're still getting different visual backgrounds. And it's simple, but it's effective just to keep 
lightly exploring these things because if you just sit in a wide for too long, and they, they like to use a lot of mediums um, so that you're not getting everything all at once so that th- they can save bits and pieces throughout the film. And it's just very smart, subtle filmmaking on the part of our director, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, which I always love seeing an actor get behind the... And, and it's funny you say that because another cool thing, um, a little trick that I noticed is that a lot of time is spent with the kitchen in the background, mm-hmm. which is fine. But then there's more time spent with with uh, Black interacting with the kitchen, which changes the scene, mm-hmm. right? So instead of instead of Black talking to White in the foreground, you have White in the foreground and Black in the in the background interacting with the the air, which completely changes the scene, even though you're still seeing the exact same thing that you've seen for you know a third of the movie yeah kind of thing yeah and they do that throughout the whole movie they'll stay in a space you know when he's sitting in the corner and tommy lee is on the is on the couch or when he goes and samuel jackson goes and washes his hands and he's in the bathroom like yeah anyway yeah and all that movement just helps to keep that extra visual engagement going because now you're tracking you're walking around you can start inserting some of these tracking shots um the lighting looks like it could be 360 degree lighting. And by that, I mean, if with 360 lighting, you're mostly using practicals. It's not necessarily a a hard fact, but uh, a practical being something that you see in the shot, like a lamp uh, is actually providing light for your scene, as opposed to how we're, we're setting in a lamp to motivate the other lighting that's coming from the magical place that the audience has no idea exists. Mm -hmm. And so you can set up a lamp to the left and then off camera, set up a much stronger light that's lighting and illuminating uh, your, your actor. And I think that's what they're doing here. I don't think they're actually using any 360 lighting because when you do that, the nice thing about 360 lighting is you no longer have to set up for everything. Mm -hmm. You can just kind of go, 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 and not really be too concerned about setups and breakdowns for, okay, now we're switching the camera around. We got to move all these C stands and move the trucks in the distance. Like all that stuff starts to happen whenever you're doing very set up, you know, looks. And, and I think they maybe found some kind of compromise because it does look like there's a lot of top lighting, like that's trying to emulate, you know, kitchen lights, chandelier, that kind of thing. And, that is really well reflected because the the walls are pretty dark and you have your your actors very well lit and if you look off of Samuel L. Jackson's very shiny forehead, like you can see all kinds of lighting sources that are popping on. <laughs> and, oh man. And it's it's useful um to, to set Makeup. that up. <laughs> because I bet, man, I bet they shot this principal photography in like a week. I mean that's still very, very fast. It might sound like a long time, but that's really fast for a 90-minute film. Now, I bet they probably spent two to three weeks working on blocking and rehearsing, getting dialogue right. But as far as getting the cameras rolling, they probably had some nice notebook that Tommy Lee Jones had staged, you know, set up with his DP and said, hey, here's a, here's a game plan for this scene. We're going to do these shots. We're going to get this coverage, and then we're going to be moving on. We're Getting coverage for 90 minutes, man, is no joke. But whenever you're also in one place like this, you can set up some pretty easy, smart game game plans. At one point, it looks like there's they're inserting some vignetting, and I couldn't tell if that was a lens thing or if it was just something that they were fading in and out because it's not persistent throughout the entire film, but just in moments. And I'm like, you 
it would be a really cool thing if they did it intentionally just because you could start to impose this dark shadow that's beginning to surround our characters and you do that with a vignette that would be one of the coolest things uh that you could do in a film like this is this very subtle thing that begins to you feel it very well as an audience member you may not see it specifically and point it out but you begin to feel this dark cloud you know descending on you and that's that's a very emotive thing yeah well i mean if you remember when we did mudbound she did it but unintentionally like she had to because of the lenses she was using or for whatever reason so i guess sometimes they have to do things like that even Mm -hmm. though so maybe they needed to use some kind of special lens to capture whatever they needed to and so that just had to happen yeah because shooting in this room and i would be willing to bet that this was a I mean, this is clearly a set. It looks like a set, but in certain ways, and I'll touch on in a second, they do a great job of trying to pull away from that set design feeling. But when the nice thing when you build a set is that you can pull away walls like, oh, I'm going to try to get the shot. So I need to fly this wall out. Okay, well, 10 minutes, the uh, I don't know, your construction guy comes in unscrews a few things and suddenly you can back your crew into this place where the wall was to get your shot. Um, Now, if this wasn't that kind of set, then maybe they do kind of paint themselves into a corner. It's like, well, I can't get to where I need, so I need this really wide lens. It's going to create this vignetting, which happens whenever the lens isn't big enough to cover the entire frame of the camera. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of just cropping off those corners, just like if you put a circle over a rectangle and the circle isn't quite big enough to cover the entire rectangle, that's literally what's happening that's creating that vignette. But going back to the set design, they do a great job of trying really, really hard to make you forget that this is a movie by doing things like the rain in the window. Not only does it help the scene, but it also helps sell that this is a place that people live in and a community inhabits. Um, They also do all these really amazing ambient noises with the rain itself, the water kind of trickling around, uh, the traffic outside, the trumpet playing neighbor. The yelling. (laughs) The yelling. At a certain point towards the end, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Professor White starts talking about how the, the community of the world is just onerous and they start using these great sound design to start imposing uh, and emphasizing all of that with the uh, emphasizing what he's saying with amping up all mm-hmm. of the neighbors going kind of crazy and mm-hmm. you can you can feel the animosity just creeping in and being reinforced but you also have so black describes his place right and just like a moment ago professor white was like yelling about humanity well black starts describing his place and his community and we're, we're hearing all this, like a car alarm in the background and it transcends too. It starts moving too. And for him though, it becomes music. Like the car alarm transitions into a sort of orchestral note and it just blends beautifully into this uh, music that's playing. And it's very indicative of the worlds that they're living in. And it's just this beautiful nuanced touch that, you know, they built into the sound design that I thought was just brilliant and wonderful. And there's not much to the sound design no, in this film. No. There's like very little. It's literally like a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> there might have been hammers at one point. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but 
they also have like lighting outside, you know, the building across the street that all kind of adds depth and texture to to the environment, which is probably just if it's not, you know, a photo hanging out there, then they just built a wall. Mm-hmm. But a photo would probably just be easier. You can yeah. print it on, you know, a big sheet of paper. And, I bet that's all it yeah. was. <laughs> um, and they have lights blasting in, like, whenever he creeps over. Like, there's a red light that could be from traffic or, yeah. like, some it, strip it feels club like outside. A, yeah, it just it feels like a, like a play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thing, like a stage in, in a play. And I'm pretty sure this is based off of a play. Yeah. Cor- Cormac McCarthy is... Man, if, I don't know if you've ever seen The Road, but he knows how to oh, go to yeah. dark, Gosh. dark places. But the um, acting, oh my God. That's the great thing about pairing an amazing writer with amazing actors. And I know we've talked about this before. Tommy Lee Jones isn't someone that you necessarily is on your... your Greatest actors list. Yeah, he's not yeah. the lottery pick in acting. But whenever he gets these moments, like Three Burials of uh, Melchiedes Estrada, is a, he just shines. He has all these great movies, but he just doesn't always get a lot of great opportunities, which is, I think, also why he directs, is to give himself these opportunities, which I can certainly identify with. Mm. Although I obviously haven't created anything like The Sunset Limited. But, you should. <laughs> yeah, you're right. God, you're right. And... The great thing about these performances, so you have amazing writing, but you also have just actors who are constantly listening and reacting and even just taking in a moment. That's what great acting really is. It's not just how can I deliver a line. It's how can I incorporate what my scene partner is doing and let it affect me in a way that's true and honest and is indicative of what my character would do. And, and shedding all this idea of a character at all. And that's a little bit more method, but that's a great way to, to go into a scene is I am this thing and I am in this moment and here's my history and here's what this person is saying to me right now. How do I feel about that given my history? And they both just beautifully inhabit those worlds. The pacing, they find all these great moments of transition like the camera at certain points starts to break the axis in a in a traditional setup you have what's called the 180 degree rule and that's where the camera doesn't cross a certain line so if you have two people sitting down at the table well you want to stay on one side of them so that if i'm on the southeast corner of that table then i never want to go to the southwest corner of that table i just want to stay on the east i'm constantly on the east if i shoot uh, the character that's at the bottom of my frame, then I just stay on the, I go to the Northeast. I go to the Northeast, Southeast. Maybe if I want to get a two shot, I just go straight to the East and I'm pointing my camera at them and I'm getting everything I need. But they, they break that rule and it's, it's a tough rule to break. And if you do it and do it well, you can start to impart that there's a feeling of change, that something is different, that we're, that we're coming across a new point of view is usually what they're trying to uh, demonstrate in the film. And it's, beautiful, subtle, and and a great way to kind of engage with the audience that, hey, you're about to experience something else now. And good God, man, Samuel L. Jackson can tell a story like oh nobody's business. He gets into it by the end, right? He's just like out of breath of that prison, uh, the prison story. <laughs> so, I just can't help but laugh. <laughs> and he's like out of breath. He's gas as if he really just a uh, just destroyed a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I love how Tommy Lee Jones character is. He so doesn't care about anything except 
when Samuel L. Jackson uses the N word. It it he can't t- can you stop using that word please? <laughs> like why? <laughs> he didn't care about anything in the world except that. That's one thing he cares about. <laughs> so good. I love uh, going back to the writing. Cormac McCarthy. I love that a lot of this film, especially early on, is just quibbling. It's semantics and pedantic arguments. When they get into that little. Tommy Lee, uh, Professor White tries to use the example of, you know, agreeing on a thing. And he's like, if we have Cecil over here who says I'm not wearing a coat at all, then, and, they, and, and Black just takes him seriously. Well, tell me about Cecil. <laughs> there is no well, Cecil. he's not here to defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful writing. And it's so these characters are really trying their best to get their claws into one another. And neither one are really willing to give ground. And the ground that especially... Professor White, he is just the most obstinate. And the ground that he gives is usually like, if you say so, if that's the way you want to see it, I guess you could say that. It's always you. Yeah. It's never I'm going to fully buy in, even whenever he gets absolutely nailed. And it's just wonderful, wonderful writing. They tease all these questions constantly. Like from the very beginning, they're they're teasing like, was he trying to commit suicide? What why what is the nature of these two people who are just You have Professor White who's looking and acting like a fish out of water. And you're getting these tones that something serious is afoot, though they're not saying it. And when they finally get to that moment where they use the word suicide, the buildup is these really slow push-ins. And it's getting very serious. And that push-in finally lands with Black saying, is that why you're trying to commit suicide? Uh, And the word is out there. It's like, okay, now we're going to be honest here. And throughout the rest of the thing, you're, you're having this question of will he kill himself or will he be saved? That's kind of the, one of the central questions that the film is asking. Can this guy be saved? Can this person with this view of the world really come to grips with uh, Black's worldview? And then they, they tease a lot of things. They tease the jailhouse story. They, you don't know if he's going to tell it. He's just trying to... And it makes you engage a little bit more because if he just says, tell me Joe House story, and you're just like, okay, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's not exciting. That's not like, yeah, you want to make people like, well, what is it? And start to ask these questions internally. And if you just drag it out just a couple minutes, then suddenly when you finally get to hear it, 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 the best part of Christmas, and I've long believed this, the best part of Christmas isn't opening up the presents. It's wondering what's in there. Yeah. What's wrapped underneath that tree? And it's, it's all weeks. garbage anyway. Yeah, it's all garbage. It's all. But it's weeks of anticipation. Yeah. And that buildup is what makes that day so amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess if you care about things like family and stuff, that's cool too. No. <laughs> but it's that anticipation. And um, they. And then you have Black who stands upright and towers over wide as he tells the story and educates him really on a whole way of life and to your point like white carries the most unimpressed look mm-hmm. as black the whole time black is using this table leg with the nails sticking out of yeah. it he's just using his foot to pull it back out of the guy's head you know? yeah. it's just and he's just staring at him you know like okay okay do you have to use that word like you said yeah <laughs> but what's great about that story too is it's also his testimony and it just became like this point of it was just another uh-huh. claw that he was trying to you know stick into him so it, it wasn't a wasted moment in, in the writing it was it still served a purpose specifically and, and most brilliantly it served black's purpose 
it wasn't just serving a writing narrative. It was serving like this character had a motivation to tell the story and he was just trying to get them interested in it so that he would ask him to tell it so that he could tell his testimony. That's great. Very strong writing. And I don't think they ever answer like worst, the worst thing that he ever did. Right. Black never actually says the worst thing he ever did. He assumes that it's suicide, but he never. Well, that's uh, White's worst thing. That's the thing he thinks about White, uh, Professor White. But are you saying, oh, Black's, Black's Black teases it and he never tells him. He never says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, you know, mm-hmm. the worst thing I did made will make you run out of this room. That's right. Um, and so well, that he was, was he was in jail for for murder. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe that was the worst thing. That could have been it. Could have been. Yeah. I don't know. That that Joe House story was pretty rough. Yeah, but he didn't kill the dude. <laughs> That's true. He just Modern. gave him a deformity. But he was he went right after that. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't right, he after, went right that. after that. <laughs> the the bulk of this movie though is just it's matching wits from two completely different perspectives. And what I loved about it is white and black's language is both indicative of their education. You know, but even though, you know, at certain points, Black even says to to White, he's like, don't feel like you can talk down to me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But White respects him. He respects him as an advocate because they are both equally talented philosophers. Mm -hmm. And they're both equally articulate and ability to not only, you know, espouse their own worldviews, but they can pick apart and understand the opponents. Because at no point do you really feel like they're unfairly trying to impersonate the other's worldview. It's always a very honest conversation, and that's one thing that we could certainly use more of in our world is yeah. honest conversations instead of this kind of reductive reasoning that just says, how can I make you look foolish by building your argument the worst way possible? <laughs> right. And that's an exhausting right. straw man kind of BS that you know I don't think any, anyone here like, appreciates at all, yeah. at least from knowing both of you. And they also use – you know. And this is such a great biblical thing. They use a lot of stories and metaphors um, because those are really great intellectual tools that levels the playing field. It doesn't matter how much education Professor White has. He can still be brought down by a simple metaphor. Mm -hmm. And that's just wonderful. The tools of debate are at everyone's you know, fingertips. Yeah. It's just whether or not you have the the mental capacity to come up and formulate a, a really good argument. And I also wonder how much... This movie is trying to make a comment uh, on the social dynamics and needs of different classes. And it's interesting because the poor, uneducated black man, right, in the rough part of town needs God, quote unquote, needs a higher power for help. Um, But he loves life. He's in this, you know, more destitute area and lifestyle, but he loves what he has. By contrast, you have the spoiled, highly educated professor who's spiritually bankrupt and sees no point in living at all. And so it also begins to beg this question, like what's better, (laughs) which, which is better. Is it better to, you know, believe in nothing. And even if that's, you know, the reality, why, why maybe it is better to believe in something and enjoy life and go through life in in a much more, you know, healthier functioning capacity. Um, Because, there's a there's a quote from Carl Jung that I feel like really espouses in the the heart of Professor White's issue. And Carl Jung says, there is no coming to consciousness without pain. And that just kind of embodies the idea that if if there is nothing out there, if there is no God, and 
as an animal, imagine, you know, a, a, an elephant coming to full consciousness and being able to contemplate his looming death the same way that Professor White does as, you know, all roads lead to the same destination, death. That that would be painful. That would be painful as an animal becoming aware of your own existence. And that's ultimately what White is, you know, struggling with. But even even so, the worlds aren't so different because they they also level the playing field with their family. Neither one of them have a family. Neither one of them really have a social network. And so they tried to, as much as possible, say, these are the same men just from very wildly different, you know, places in life. Let's throw them in a room together. Yeah, so it so even so, we spend most of our time on blacks' beliefs and White is reflecting off them. Like we lightly touch on White's views of his views. <laughs> and it's really only, I feel like, towards the end where we get like five minutes of the grim, dark death of Professor White because that mess is rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of covers all, all my notes anyway. And yeah, so having said that, what was so be like eat the mic i want you to be like eat the mic yeah i'm um, hungry <laughs> this isn't i assume you're not a huge movie buff like you watch movies from time to time, from time, but, to time right yeah, yeah. Um, to make my wife happy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your take man watching this film and seeing all this debate how'd you like did you like it as a movie uh did you find it interesting philosophically you, you know all of the above i was actually impressed and you touched on um quite a few of the elements that impressed me and intrigued me um I love how they utilize the space very well. Um, and I love how the sounds outside of the four walls allowed you to kind of be in a world. It was almost like I knew it was New York before he, he said it was New York. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. and so it was like, yep, that's what I thought they, they were. And so you hear the arguing, you hear the, the sirens, you, you see the lights kind of glimmering in the window. And you're like, wow, like I'm actually there with them. And so you don't have to be outside walking down the sidewalk because you hear it. And it almost takes you there. So that was a, yeah. a real good use of the sound mm -hmm. in, in the actual film itself. I love the fact that there's two different people, different classes. I mean, literally two opposite sides of the world have dialogue and there's something that's just something you don't see you know and, and the interesting thing was it took almost a near-death death experience for, to bring these two tape to the wow. table I wish it weren't that way but that's that's the dynamic of this whole dialogue you you spend the first 10-15 minutes wondering why the heck are they sitting together because those two people why, why would they share anything he refers to him as professor and you, you look in his living room in the setting you're like he's probably a poor guy living in the in the hood somewhere, and so what brings them together? I was spending my first few minutes like, what? How are we gonna place these guys together? <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder when I'm with my friends if people ask the same question, and and so it's interesting because the truth is is that I would I think we should always see that that should be normal to have these type of dialogue. Mm -hmm. This should be normal to have two different people of two different worldviews. I mean, almost opposite to sit down and talk about it. And and the dialogue, even though it had some tense moments. It seemed like a cool, healthy dialogue about someone being interested, kind of trying to prove a point, mm -hmm. but at the same time trying to help the other person see the, the holes in their belief system. And so here are these two different worldviews that are coming together and are clashing, 
and you're just wondering what is this going to end up like and so I spent the just I'm like is this going to have a happy ending is this going to go crazy like what is, what is it going to look like and so it was super cool to to see them have these conversations and, and as you alluded to earlier Wes talking about like not necessarily yielding but holding ground but also kind of showing a level of respect and honor for one another and you, you see um, Black's character is, is being this kind of in the slums ex-con but you see this subtle brilliance that he has mm-hmm. and his ability to communicate in his own southern kind of way which is the east coast but he has southern kind of you know yeah. twang to him and, and it's super cool because I, I noticed I mean there's a few things that I just remember them in their dialogue talking about you know at the beginning uh, and one of the things that, that Professor White says that he says the things I loved are, were very fragile I didn't know that I thought they were indestructible Wow. It was so deep to me, you know, because yeah. he, he had placed his, his faith in these things that he thought would last and they didn't. And it shook his world to the point where it pushed him to jump in front of a train, you know? And, and so it, I, this is like real life stuff. This is, I see these conversations. I, I've, I've been on campus and done ministry there and, and I see these dialogues. I've seen people come and preach in these crazy, you know, corners on, on campus and people ask questions and shout these, what about this? Why is there even over all these kind of things? And you see this dialogue kind of happening right between these two people. And it's kind of amazing because when he says that, I'm like, wow, that's like, actually not only a picture of him and his story, but there's a lot of people with that same feeling. Like they put their faith, whether it be in family or relationship or, or money or did you lose I me? was going to ask, uh Oh, rotation. I was going to ask <laughs> this whole time. No, none of it. This whole, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I'm waiting a, for a break in his oh, conversation. Man. I'm a jackass. I didn't realize I faced the mic away from me. Jesus B. Christ, so, Wesley. I'll bet Barnabas. Wait, you want to start over, do it again? No, 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 you can if you want. So so what I what I loved about the, the dialogue is it, it provoked thought because the way that they talked it expressed their worldviews, right? And, you know, you looked at Black's perspective and it was heavily based on the Bible. And they, and they had that center of the Bible sitting at the table the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was, this, it was this neat thing to where it was almost part of the foundation of what they're actually trying to do. He's trying to, to, to almost, hey, this is something that, have you ever read this book? He starts poking at him, right? What about, I mean, this, what, what about this book? Have you ever read it? You know, and this what have you book? read, right? You know? And so, and then you find later that, that even Professor White, he knows more about the Bible than he lets on, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. and, and it reveals like his knowledge is actually kind of touches on the, the scriptures and, and, and it almost wondering how it impacts his belief system. So it's, it's, it's really cool seeing them go back and forth. You know, there was a handful of things that I just remember reading and I'm like I mean listening to them say and one of the things that that uh, black asked Professor White was uh, well first first off uh, Professor White said am I a prisoner so he's sitting in this mm-hmm. this kitchen wondering like you won't let me go every time I try to get out this doggone kitchen you try to pull me back in here so he asked am I a prisoner and what I love about what black says he says you know better than that you are already a prisoner you're a death row prisoner, right? You know, yeah. so he's he's starting to elude and poke at his 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 worldview. Like you were already a prisoner before you walked into my into my kitchen. You know, you were already a prisoner because of the way that you see the world around you. And the funny thing is, they're both in the same city. Granted, they have different world. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a professor, probably middle class. You would assume. Uh, then black is probably lower class. You know, barely making ends meet. But in a sense, they're living in the same city in the same place, but they see the world around them differently. 
So these two different lenses that in which they approach life. And here you, you expect this guy who's like barely making ends meet. I mean, who can obviously throw down because that meal they had later on. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to taste of that. I know. <laughs> me too. You would think that he would be the one that's depressed, right? His, his, I mean, he's probably, you know, you hear all the noise and arguing around him. And even Professor White alludes to, I mean, how can you live here? Like, this is like, this, this place is horrible. You know, hey, what, are you, what are you doing here? And, and one of the things that Black talks about is that, you know, I, it talked about helping people. And he says, if you want to help people in trouble, you got to go to where the trouble is. And I, was like, I loved that. Line. Right. Yeah. You know, and I was I was just, I'm like, there's so many like nuggets in, in, this, in, this, <laughs> yeah. in this movie. And it just makes you think like, wow, like his perspective was totally different. So they looked at the same apartment, the same environment through totally different lenses. Something that Professor White saw as like, man, this is a horrible place. I'd never be here. And then you look at black. Like, I have a purpose here. I'm here to help people. And it says ministry is for the living. I don't know if you remember that line, yeah. you know, and so it was it was interesting. You know, the word ministry means to serve. That's really what it means. And so here he is serving the needs of people. He sees a guy who's about to throw himself in front of a train going 80 miles per hour. And he says, you know, what? I'm going to serve. I'm ministering to this person. Yeah. So I'm going to snatch him back to prevent him from taking his life without knowing what life is really about. Now, that's a really good point, because Professor White, his whole view of, of the world is a very selfish view. It's yeah. a very self-centered and Absolutely. selfish view. And whereas to your point, you know, blacks view is to be outgoing and giving and yeah. he's not worried about things. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I thought it was super cool. I even had my wife watch the second half with me. Mm-hmm. We were driving back from Tennessee and it was, it was super cool. And I kind of explained to her what the premise of, of, of the, of the movie. And it was just neat. And I'm, we're probably still going to talk about it some more when, when, we, when we get home. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, like from the beginning to the end, you know, there was just these little moments where I was like, man, like that's like almost a mini sermonette in a sense, you mm-hmm. know, it, you know, and, and, it, and it almost, you see both ends of it, you know, as someone who's in, in ministry, you know, it, it, it actually helped me a lot to, 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 to really see the thought processes of somebody who's, who's atheist and, and has that worldview, the way that they see the world around them. And, and, and that's actually helpful for me because I think what can happen is you come to a table like this and it begins to be an argument from, from, mm-hmm. from the gate. And my, my whole goal begins to be, I'm going to convince this person, bring them over to my side versus I really want to know what, what, what makes you think that way? Yep. What experiences in your life have caused you to arrive at the conclusion that you have? And so it, it felt like even though Black was hoping for something, you saw him wrestling, right? It was it was bigger than just a conversation. He's wrestling with God in behind the scenes. There was even a moment where he thought out loud, and I love how they they enhanced the setting of this one room by just a tapping on the on the on the table. It sounded like drums, you know. And then you hear him thinking, oh, "I need to get the heck up out of here," you know. You're, he's like, "This dude's about to go crazy," but I don't know what I'm going, you know. And so it's really neat to see him actually wrestling with himself and wrestling with God in a, in a lot of senses of of like, I don't know what you want to do with this conversation i'm sticking this out i'm going to try to keep this guy here long as possible but honestly i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing i don't know what i'm supposed to say and even at the end you see that even unravel when you know when he when oh, white yeah. leaves you know he's like man I, I don't know i don't know why you're here he's honest there's this level of just genuine sincerity you know of like i don't know why you're in my, my kitchen right now all i know is that i was supposed to be here and intervene and prevent you from <laughs> going towards death so can i ask a question about sure, that absolutely about the the end um when he says when he says uh what is he you Something, gave him the words then, yeah why didn't give, didn't give me, me. Yeah. yeah well his very last line though is is that okay yeah yeah what, what was it, it yeah it's yeah. something and then is that okay e- even if you don't speak to me it basically it, what he alluded to was even if i don't hear from you again god i'm gonna believe 
I'm going to keep your word. I'll keep your word. But then he said, is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? That's what he meant? Is that okay? I, I got a couple meanings out of that. And, okay. and, and so who knows if this is what, you know, uh, hey, Tommy James I mean, wanted out anybody, of If anybody would know. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it was almost like he was asking for himself, but he was also asking for the viewer. Like, is it mm-hmm. is it okay that if God doesn't even talk to you, if you don't feel like you hear his voice, can you still believe? Can you still have faith? Can you still trust him? Even if he doesn't give you the words that you, you want to have for somebody, even if things don't pan out the way that you, you wanted them to, because we all wanted a happy end. I don't want a happy ending, right? right? And most people would probably view what a happy ending was differently. And so at the end, you, you're just kind of wondering. And so it, when he looked at the camera, it's almost his moment where he engages us. He's not only asking God, is that okay? But he's asking us. He was asking me, is that okay? Is that okay mm-hmm. for for you to, 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 I mean, for the guy to go silent on you? Like, you feel like he's ghost. Yeah. You know, and can, can your faith still be preserved in the middle of that? I mean, that's kind of one of the ways that I, yeah. I looked at it. Yeah. So it was, it was, I, that. I, I thought it was super cool. I mean, I, I got, I took notes on the thing, man. I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah, about, I could tell. You know, uh, there was this one, and y'all can, y'all can interrupt me anytime because I can talk all day about this. No, uh, there was this moment where he talked about, um, it was black talking to Professor White. And he says, you, you have to take your hands from around your brother's neck. And, 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 and he talked about in order to have life, you know. And so it, to me, that there was an illustration of forgiveness. You know, it's almost like if you if you stop trying to take this person's life, you type whether that revenge, they don't really go into detail about what that, that moment is about and what he was referring to or alluding to. But you, you just see this moment where he's like, you know, you're, you're trying to punish somebody or, or get back at somebody or hold something against someone. But that's not the that's not the path to life. That's actually the thing that's holding you back from it, you know. Yeah. And so you, you almost hear him just trying to just poke a little bit and, and tug him at being like, you know, what, you need to let that go. You need to, you need to forgive. You need to, you need to love your brother. I know that's hard. I know it's yeah. foreign. It's crazy, you know, and it was, it was neat the way that he did it. And even just the illustration that he had in there, he's like, huh. And I, and you almost, as a, as a person watching, you're wondering like, who do I have my, who's, whose neck do I have my hands around? Yeah. Right. You know, what, what people in my life am I holding things against, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and how is that impacting me in my worldview? And even my joy, he talked about joy and happiness is what he referred to it as, you know, and it was, it was one of the things that he he said in, about happiness that, that really touched me. And there was another quote I'll, I'll mention too, but he's, he basically said, if you haven't experienced pain, how can you know ha- happiness? Mm-hmm. You can't compare them. You know, and, and so most most people would view, you know, if, if if God is real, why is there pain in the world? You know, and and pain actually highlights happiness in in a lot of sense because you if you can't have good without evil. They 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 both coexist for a specific reason. Well, I mean that's a tricky thing too, though. Right, right, <laughs> right. Go for it. Okay, go up. Well, I mean because then that opens up the general response to that would be that why did God create evil then? Yeah, because by the phrasing that you used and maybe that's not you know the the ideal phrasing right is is indicating well god being all good yeah then necessarily created evil yeah you know what what i like about and that's a, that's a great thought uh they talk about the story of uh garden of eden and, and even professor white brings it up so he's, he exposes his knowledge of the scriptures he's like everybody mm-hmm. knows this story right and he talks and and then even black talks about he doesn't he's not a he also refers to himself somewhat as a heretic because i don't like the idea about um uh, eve bringing sin into the to the world you know and I, and I like to poke at that just a little bit because the question is that did did she bring sin into the world did she already reveal the sin that already existed right did she reveal something that was already in the heart of man that this opportunity came and it actually became visible, right? So, and we could say, okay, God created evil and good, but he, he created people. He created people. We were the ones that 
didn't listen to what he asked us to do. So did he create evil? I guess you could argue that if he created people and people do evil things, okay, by by default, sure, okay, he created evil. But in a sense, he created people out of, out of love in the hopes that they would live in this way that would bring life and joy and happiness and fulfill the purpose that he created them for. But because we're hard-headed, me included in that, hands raised, right? We we don't we don't listen all the time. Just like my three year old daughter, she mm-hmm. I, I talked just today, baby. Can you please lower your voice? Use your inside voice. She doesn't listen, you know. And I don't <laughs> listen a lot of times. And there's a result and a consequence from when I don't listen, even though it may not seem like it. There, there was even an undertone of that in in what Black said, and and, and it's kind of spilled to, to to Professor White. There was this this illusion or this illustration, and there's there's a you know even a scripture in Romans that talks about the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. That's what he's referring to is Romans 8. Mm-hmm. But he basically talks about like, you really, you really don't know what you want. You think you know what you want. And the very thing you, you, you think you want, he gives the illustration of the whiskey. You remember the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, about the drinking and it talks about what do they really want? You know, do they, do they, they really want to be loved by God. And remember that's what he, that's what he talked about. Well, there's also the, the philosophical debate of, of there really is no evil. There right. is just people do things. Yeah, yeah. And it negatively, they negatively affect other people. Right. In in varying ways, like, right, like right. very bad ways and very <laughs> not so bad ways, but negative. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so there yeah. is that there is uh, kind of like not an opposite spectrum, but just another way of looking at it as as, the, you know, I don't want that guy to punch me in the face, but he wants to punch me in the face. So <laughs> so for him, that's not evil. <laughs> So it's a perspective thing, but right, for me, right, right. it's totally evil, you know, and that's just obviously a very narrow window and a very small, right, right, small right. thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, that totally. I mean, it, it, what you, what you refer to is like relativism, right? It's kind of yeah. like what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. And, which is, which is very much Mr. White's point exactly. of view of, of everything. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Absolutely. And, and so there's, there's this from professor White's perspective, there's no thing as, as absolute truth in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's not, there's not this thing that's true for everyone. Right. It's like, that's cool. You want, you live that way. You believe in God. Hey, good for you. I applaud you. As for me, <laughs> I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't need him. Right. And right. so, and which, which is, which is fair in a sense, you know, and, and, and you, you got to respect his opinion and his, and his, and his, and his viewpoint and his, and, and it almost asks us, it forces us to question in a lot of ways is like, is there absolute truth? You know, and you start asking these things because here are these two very opposing um, viewpoints. And there was this thing that, you know, Black talks about. He's, he says, you, you want to know truth. I mean, that's what he, he mentions it at, at some point in a, in a, in a movie. And, it, and, it's, and, he, and he talked about uh, the difference between questioners and doubters. And I, I, I love this part of it, too. He said that questioners look for truth. Doubters want to be told ain't no such thing. <laughs> you know, and, and so that was interesting. That, that is an interesting thing. I would also maybe flip that on his head because I think pe- people of faith too often don't care about truth. I think people of faith often mm. say that they're after truth. Yeah. I don't think that's actually true. Okay. I think so? because I think for people of faith, once faith is all they need, yeah. it's all they want. And so they stop asking questions. They stop pursuing more answers. Yeah. And if you're not pursuing answers, then how can you possibly be saying you're pursuing truth? Yeah, I would agree to that. I think that there unfortunately are people of faith and whether that be in the Christian world, Mormon world, you think of any kind of religious <laughs> yeah, sect oh, for that, sure. that, 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 
almost they they call it blind faith, right? You know, there's a, there's a sense of like I'm just going to do it because I'm told to do it. Um, there's there's also a, a thing where I think that uh, Black illustrates wrestling with God. You see how he questioned God in, in a sense, like mm-hmm. why did you give him the words, but you didn't give me the words? So sure, because at the end of the film, right, he's the one that was affected. Tommy, oh, yeah. uh, Professor White walked out completely unscathed by his arguments, but meanwhile. He was having some kind of moment of right. doubt, and he was – I mean, he ended with yeah. saying, I'm going to fight through it. But, yeah. yeah. And, and, and we, we, we think that, that Professor Weiss unscathed because that, that was – after he went on the other side of that door, you didn't see what he wrestled with. You didn't see mm-hmm. if something hit him. You don't know if he's going straight to the train yeah. or not. You know, and, and so it was neat to see, uh, to your point, Wes, that somebody was not just saying, I'm just doing this because the Bible says so. And he, he did say that a little bit. But, but, there, but you see his moment with God where he's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. He, you see his head on the table after <laughs> Professor White goes on this dark rant about where he's at. <laughs> yeah. in his, or his, reveals what's in his heart. And, you know, you almost think he wants to cry. Yeah, he looks like he's breaking. <laughs> he's just yeah. breaking down like this is hopeless, you know. But he still tried. And then even after, he's like, God, man, I, I, I gave him my best. You know, you could tell yeah. he was like, man, I tried everything. I put all my tricks out my bag, man. But he had that moment was like, I don't get it. But hey, I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna trust you kind of mm-hmm. kind of deal. So I think that in faith it should push us in a sense in, in to 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 seek God more because I think that a lot of times we we want answers and honestly I have a lot of question marks in my own life you know I mean from from my, my dad's passing to to loss loss of my daughter uh, a couple of years ago there's question marks that I have and I have to live with those question marks and I, I I like to believe that all these things happen for a reason right and so I can acknowledge that deep down inside I want to believe that but I also have to ask God why why did you allow this to happen and and that's a fair question. There's some moments where I'm fussing and cussing with my with time and God and just being real, like this sucks. God, this really sucks, and I don't wow. like it. Why? Why did you? Why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? You know. And so my hope is that everyone would wrestle with that, whether you're a believer in in God or or atheist too. That you, like you said, you, you pursue truth, and 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 the truth wouldn't be. I don't want to make what I believe truth. I just want to find truth. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes we approach truth in a, in a sense of like I'm, I'm really bending towards trying to prove myself right instead of trying to discover what is right. You know, well, the irony also about black and white is that they somewhat are the same thing. Yeah. In that they both think that they're right. Yeah. Yeah. He like white thinks there is no God. Absolutely. There yeah. is nothing. Yeah. I know there is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And black says, no, I know there is a heaven. Uh-huh. No, I'm going, you know, or, yeah. or I want you to get like, so they're, they both have faith. Yeah, they do. Just in the opposite. In different things. In exactly. Di- completely different things. Yeah. So it's, it's very, it's a little bit like matrixy, you know, <laughs> where they can't, matrix. hopefully they cancel each other out a little bit, you know, uh, and Tommy Lee doesn't go throw himself in front of the, in front of the sunset limited. So your, has your faith ever been like, like totally rocked? Like you, just, just, and because he doesn't know you, let me totally, yeah. go a step further. Okay, we're not go talking for, about, oh, I'm really upset with God. And no, I mean, uh, like, we're talking about you were on the verge of like, should I still be a Christian? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, w- I would say. And you don't have to like give the sure, actual. Yeah, no, 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 no. And so, as as far as should I be a Christian, I'm. 
nothing comes to mind right off the back, um, you know, but I, I think faith can be shaken in a sense that doesn't necessarily push you to, to, to be tempted not to believe, but I think it pushes you to not trust. And I think those are equally bad, right? So mm. what can happen is, is over a series of time, you've, you've heard the, probably the illustration of if, uh, if somebody pushes a, a boulder and which, and it takes 10 pushes to, to knock it over a cliff, which push did it? Was it the 10th push? Was it the first push? Right. And I, and I think in our faith is, is similar. Like if, the, if you get hit with these series of things in your life from death in a family to not getting that job you hope for to that car accident that left you with a limp probably for the rest of your life, what push was it that caused caused you to, to lose your faith. Right. And, and so I think that I've been pushed. Right. And mm-hmm. and so uh, does that mean that five years from now I may not be at that point? Who knows? You know, uh, but I, I, I will say that, you know, um, I was and I'm, I'm open. I don't, I don't really care. I'll tell my, my story. <laughs> you know, I, I lost my, my, my father um, five weeks before my wife and I got married. You know, uh, he, he fell outside in our backyard and um, basically fractured his skull and slipped into a coma and never woke up from it. And, and, and my, I remember my family and I standing in a room as they began to unplug him and he took his last breath. And there, that, that, there's a lot of questions that come from that. You know, there's a lot of like, what the heck, man? Like, yeah. and here's my dad from, I mean, he was a very interesting dude and his faith was kind of question mark in some ways. He was a minister long before I was born, but then he'd say stuff and you're like, dude, I don't even know what you are. You know, <laughs> he was a very interesting guy, but he'd give the shirt off his back for it, for his family. Uh, you know, uh, uh, back in 2016, my, my wife was 27 weeks pregnant and we lost our baby girl. Uh, and it was sudden, you know, and she had a chromosome issue, but based on our appointments, everything was going to turn out good and everything was on the up and up. And here we are on, on Halloween day, we find out that there's no heartbeat. And so again, that push, right. You know, you're like, man, is this going to send me off the cliff and how that in fact impact my marriage and how that made it tough for, for my wife and I to, to see eye to eye and the strain it puts on our family. Cause we already had a, a daughter who was, you know, almost three years old at the time and all these things. And you're like, Jeez, like, is this what it's supposed to be like? Is 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 this, uh, man? I I thought there was some kind of coverage. Can I get an umbrella to <laughs> take me from the rain a little bit? Yeah. You know, but but there's then there's these other moments where you're like, wow, I see other people. I remember sitting down for lunch with a with a buddy of mine not long ago, and he and his wife lost a, a girl, and I, and I think she might have been a girl. They, they might have even known the, the gender, and it was earlier on, maybe like ten to fifteen weeks, and they said you didn't even know this, but we saw you and we watched you and your wife press through all that. And they were like, man, if they can do it and we, we can too. And you, so you, you wonder if these moments have purpose, you know, and if that purpose can give hope to, to others. And I didn't, I didn't know that in 2016, this just happened a few weeks ago. You know, this conversation with a buddy at lunch, this was recent. I didn't, I didn't oh. see this in October of 2016. Nobody, I wasn't thinking, Oh, this is for a purpose. I was just crying. I was mm-hmm. weeping. I was writing mad journals in my phone because I was upset of how it affected my, my wife and how hurt she was and, and how I was hurt because I was looking forward to my second daughter and all these things. And so to, to answer your, your question, uh, has, has my faith been ever a question? I would say in some ways, yes. Um, but it's been that, that push on the boulder. I, my hope is that you can push it a hundred times and my faith won't fail, but I'm human, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fallible. And, and so I, I hope that in the midst of it, that God's able to keep me and I'm able to conti- continue to hold on despite the challenges that, that we face. Uh, but there have been moments and those some real hard pushes to where I'm like, it's a big one, God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I think it's a beautiful sentiment for sure in terms of, you know, pain serves a purpose, but it also kind of 
uh, I guess just to play a little bit more of the enemy's advocate. <laughs> you can say it. You can say devil's advocate. You can say it. It's okay. It's all right. But yeah, so it, it would be that almost like you're making the argument that you suffer just so that you can help other people through their suffering. Bad things happen so that other bad things could happen. You know, mm-hmm. if you were to turn it into kind of a right, math right, equation. Right. And that becomes, I mean, I think it still folds into the right. argument that you were talking about earlier that I'm more than well, you know, familiar <laughs> for with. For sure, for sure. Uh, this is a fallen world and people, yeah. you know, do bad things and bad things happen because of uh, sin and just the nature of, you right. know, the world we've created to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, right. that's fair. I mean, that's, that's totally fair to, because to your point of, bad things happening so you could help people through other bad, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's one side of it, right? Sure. I mean, so it, it, and I think that the reality is that I'm, it shows that I'm not immune. Yeah. You know, that just because I believe in God doesn't mean that, oh, all of a sudden I don't have to experience pain. I don't have to experience loss. Cause if that was the case, everybody signed up for it. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so give me a ticket to heaven. Right. And give me, sign me up for God. I won't never go through stuff, you know? And, and you, you probably heard the story of Job and all the junk he went through, man. You know, his family, had a, <laughs> you know, this, this guy in the, the, the Bible who like basically family, the house crumbles on his family and kills them all at once. And then he gets, you know, attacked in his flesh and all these things. And, and, and it's, I mean, like literally the, most horrible season of his life. Yeah, but how bad is it that it's a bet? <laughs> Were you in like between the yeah, devil and right? God? <laughs> how do you it's feel like, about that? I mean, you, I've seen she's all that. I know. <laughs> You know, it's not a good thing. Let me, let me, let me like ask. Is that your record for the week? That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, that or like 10 other movies that are exactly the same thing. Um, so, uh, Man, I had I had a question and then you made me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, well I was asking I was Is it a bet? He said that, yeah, that trick because I don't know how you know you feel Barnabas about it, but yeah, that whole setup of Job is effectively a bet between God and Satan and God oh. allows him to go through all this loss. So Um Wouldn't it make you feel better though to to know that if a bunch of bad stuff happened to you, mm-hmm. it wasn't because someone or something was allowing it to to happen. It was because that's just the universe and things happen. They don't happen. Let's just say, let's just say, for example, we knew that nothing happened for a reason, right? That everything just happens. Yeah. So you can't stop the train coming at you. It's, it's coming, right? Like, like we know we're all going to die. Yeah. Right. At some point, we're all going to die. We cannot stop that. We can't change it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily. I mean, let, let's just say that it's the, the universe and things happen and and then we die. Okay. Um, doesn't that make you feel a little bit better than if a lot, if your whole life, if you're Job, yeah, and all those things happen to you, and you know God is allowing them to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or or you know, just, you know, deciding not to stop them from happening or making them happen. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm not saying that that's, that's what I think. I'm just throwing that out there to you. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it, it almost is in a sense, because if sure, God has the power to, to make sure that nothing bad happens in the entire universe. I mean, he could, he could totally do that. Right. You know, and, 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 it kind of would defeat the purpose 
<laughs> right? Because he, he created us with this free will thing, right? Yeah. To where he's like, okay, I'm going to let you make choices. You know, I think about my daughter and my son who's five months old now. And, and at some point, they're going to have to make decisions for themselves. I create the safe environment for them to, to incubate or grow. And, and, and then at some point, I'm going to have to kind of let go. And so I think God, in a sense, does the same kind of thing. Is that I create these these people that, that I love, but at some point, I'm not going to treat them like robots to where I hit some switch and they do what I tell them to do. I'm going to allow them to make choices and decisions. And, and within that, like we thought, we, I mean, Wes alluded to it earlier that, that people, unfortunately, are going to make bad choices. And then there's other things that have little to do with choices. The the chromosomal issue with, with my daughter had little to do with somebody's choice. Right. And, right. There's, that's so that, kind of what I'm talking so about. So that's that's one of the things that were. So I look at it and it says, OK, God didn't stop that from from happening. But he also didn't stop it from happening to the to the atheist or the agnostic or somebody who's Muslim. So what that shows me is that God has allowed common grace to happen because the rain shines on the on the, the, the center and the non center just alike. And so when I when I look at that, it it illustrates something for me. I think there's this principle of, OK, you look at, you know, Wes talked about it being a bet, you know, uh, between the devil and, and, and God. Uh, I wonder if we could look at it from a different perspective of of because when you make a bet, right, it's based on confidence. You make a bet with your buddy saying, like, I bet I can get that girl's number. I bet I can get her number. No, I bet you can't five bucks. Right. Because one person believes you can't do it. The other person believes they can. And and God believed in me. God believed in Job. He believed that, you know, what? I, I know his heart. I know Job intimately. He prays to me often. We talk all the time. I know his faith. I know he trusts me. And even if you attack that him, part doesn't bother me. What bothers yeah, yeah. me is that he used his family as bargaining chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that can, do you see them as, as bargaining chips? I mean, it's, it's someone did. <laughs> <laughs> they got snatched away from him. <laughs> so, I mean, what was was my daughter a bargaining chip? I don't know. I don't know what conversation God and the devil were having about you. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so one of the things is, is that, again, it kind of goes to that universal thing you alluded to, is that that could have happened to somebody who wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, gosh, you think about the towers in 2001. How many people died in that? Right, but doesn't that, so if I'm a non-believer, do, do I feel a little bit better that it just it just happens like stuff, stuff just happens, not because uh, God let it happen. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, so if I'm a non-believer in the towers or I'm standing next to a believer in the towers, yeah. who's, who's got more, who's having more pain? I think you that know what I'm saying, I think honestly for say, for instance, like for, for, for me, if, and I'll just use myself as an example, let's say that I have a family yeah. member that's a believer. Right. Um, and, and, they they go on and they they pass away because of some tower crumbling, some car accident, whatever. There's there's a hope because the the hope is that there's life after death. You know the hopelessness that you see from Professor White is that he he actually looks forward to death because he wants silence, he wants this darkness to surround him, he wants it to all be quiet. But for 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 people that that believe in God for the for the Christian faith, that actually that's where life begins. So you, when you see death, you see it differently. So the lens is different. And so for somebody, for, for honestly, you know, if it was the other way around and, and I didn't have that belief system and all these things happened to me, it almost would feel hopeless to me. I mean, that's just, you know, it's almost like, dang, there is no purpose behind it. It just happened just for the sake of happening. 
that kind of sucks. That is a little boring. You know, and, 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 and it's like, I guess. so you mean like this was absolutely a useless experience for me? I mean, this is just my wiring. You know, this is yeah. aside from like faith, right? It's just like, well, that kind of sucks. You know, it's, and so in my in my eyes, in a way, I kind of look at the world. It almost seems worse to just have things happen and, and realize, you know, there's there's all kind of biblical stories, right? And I'm, I don't mean to quote a whole bunch of Bible stories, but there's a story about this guy named Joseph, you know, and, and all this bad stuff happens to him. Part of it because his brothers are jerks, but part of it is because he's a stupid dummy because he talks about these dreams and he's bragging about how great he's going to be and he's talking about how this parents and his brothers are going to bow down to him, all this stuff. And he's hanging out with his master's girl. You know, and so he's, he's, he's doing all these things. And, and, and so you would look and say, oh, poor Joseph. His brothers were so mean because they sold him into slavery, told her his dad that he was dead. Okay, that's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. bad. Pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, you know, you know there. And, and some people might argue he kind of had it coming. He was just annoying. He, right, you know, and the, the guy gets sold as a slave and he gets thrown into prison because somebody lied on him, you know, and all these things. But then he ends up being in a position to, to, to save an entire nation. And so you could say, well, God made that happen. Uh, you know, his brothers were jerks no matter what. They made choices. It goes to that free will thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they made choices to do that. Now, did God use that for good? It looks like it. I mean, it resulted in a, a nation that would have died from famine actually living and going on for, for many centuries to come. And and so when you when you look at the, the, the story and how it applies to our own life, it's like, geez, I could I could look there's a couple of ways I could look at something. I could look at this as being this useless experience that absolutely means nothing. Or I can say that there's some good that comes out of it. Now, this is, I mean, this goes beyond positive thinking, right? You know, there's there's the self-help books that don't tell you that too. <laughs> you know, you just turn that frown upside down and just press through, right? <laughs> Fake it till you make it, whatever. Right. You know, the, but but the reality is, is that it, it boils down to trust, right? Because it's, le- it's less about, I'm just going to believe good things are going to happen and more about, I'm believing in the good person of God. I'm believing in him as a person, right? Because when you see someone as an object or, I mean, you, some people see God as a sugar daddy. If I'm nice to him, I obey his word and I get all this stuff. You know, if I'm nice to him, he'll hook me up with this blessing, this promotion. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really that work that way. That drives me crazy. <laughs> that when people, when people pray for things, right. it drives me insane. And yeah. my, what, growing up, I, I was raised Catholic yeah. and, and growing up, I was always told, you know, ask God for it. If you want something, ask God for it. Yeah. Maybe you'll get it. Maybe you won't. Yeah. And I always did. And I almost never got what I asked for, but it was the point of like, wh- wh- why am I supposed to ask God for those Jordans? Like, <laughs> is he really going to give me those Jordans? No, my parents are going to buy them for me. Like, like, that there's it is pointless. Ask not what your God can do for you. <laughs> Ask what you can, can do, do for your God. God. Well, it it just it that kind of thing drives me crazy, and I I hear. I've heard it my whole life to ask God for whatever I want. And it's, it's the antithesis of what I've learned as an adult, the way that you should actually pray to God. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm a non-practicing Catholic, more yeah. agnostic. I identify more agnostic sure. than, than anything, but it just, one of the reasons is because I feel like people, everybody that I know, prays incorrectly. They pray like that. <laughs> they want this thing or that thing or this to happen or that promotion. And so they, they, they go to prayer for those things in those moments. Yeah. 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 Right. So, Instead of like regular 
Bye, I'm, hey, what's going on, God? Just checking in, saying hi. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. that never happens. It never happened with me growing up. I never had this relationship with God where we just like chatted back and forth. It was always like, oh, I need something. Hi, yeah. how you doing? Hey, how you, so but you, don't think, you don't think you should ever pray for, pray for God to meet your needs? I, I think that you, you, you can. I think that it's relationship. Like, can my daughter come to me and ask me for something? Absolutely. She's my, she's my baby yeah, girl. But, but she tells you all the time that she loves you. Yeah. But even, if she, even if she didn't, could she come to me and ask for something? I'm her, I'm her dad. I'm her dad. Yeah. It's just, so, so if I, she I, never talked to you, if you never saw her, if you and your wife were divorced and she <laughs> lived with your wife and only saw you for one hour, one week. And in that entire hour, all she wanted was happy meals and, and, and sugar like a new car and a new car. Yes. You'd probably give it to her, but you'd want more. right? Absolutely. So, and, and, I, and, and that's, that's what I was getting at is, is that it's not that asking for things is, is is wrong as much as it is it's not it's not everything it's more mm-hmm. it's the relationship and and because I love my daughter and she means the world to me and I'm gonna do everything to protect her you know and we have a relationship and we talk and I pray for her every night and because we laugh and we tickle and I pick her up and I, and I wrestle with her because there's that relationship there's not much she can she she can ask for that I, I won't give to her unless it's gonna be bad for her right you know and so I, I imagine God's the same way you know there's 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 some things that my, my daughter will ask me for she asks me for candy every day I'm probably gonna say no because I want her teeth to kind of stay intact, right? <laughs> right. I don't want I don't want her to open her mouth and all you see is silver. Uh, <laughs> you know, and in the same way, even if I did ask God for a lot of different things, I also realized that if he doesn't give it to me, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. It just means that he actually does, you know, and yeah. just like I love her. So I, to your I point, I totally hear what you're saying. There yeah. are people out there. Just, the only time they call on God is like, I want something. Yeah, and that's pretty, li- that's pretty lame. And I would think my, my, my daughter, if I were, in, you know, hope my wife won't hear this. I would think she was lame <laughs> if all she did was ask me for <laughs> yeah. stuff. Fortunately, she doesn't. She's awesome. And I, love I, have, her. I have one more thing. Go for I wanna, it. I want to ask. So. And I know we're probably going long. But it's this, all good. We could talk. I could talk about this stuff all the <laughs> Three-person one usually goes long. So okay. That's fine. Um, so the, I don't have a problem with, you know, asking God for something and not getting it. For sure. Right? I don't have a problem with God allowing people to do bad things to me. Mm-hmm. Right? That stuff happens because, I, like you said, yeah. free will. Right? Somebody wants to punch me in the face. <laughs> That's, you know, it's probably going to happen because I'm not a fighter. Um, but, but it's the stuff, it's the stuff where it doesn't involve other people. Right. Cancer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, famine. Yeah. Which may or may not, it's at times involve be because of other people like, uh, floods, tsunamis, uh, tidal, uh, I mean, uh, 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 uh hurricanes. Floods, I mean, yeah. like, and I know. Um, in, in some way, you know, there is, there's the butterfly effect, you know, I do something over here and like some massive crazy thing happens over there. I get it. But there are things like, like cancer. Yeah. Uh, if we just stay, just talk about just that. Yeah. Why does that exist? Yeah. yeah. Why is that allowed? Why, why do, why are, are children born with chromosomal issues? Yeah. Yeah out of absolutely no fault of their own. It's not supposed to punish you. Like you didn't do anything wrong enough for that to happen. You've lived a, a, a good, holy life. Like, like it is, 
it, it's heartbreaking yeah. and it's confusing and it's, uh, <clears throat> um, it's unexplainable. And, yeah. it, and honestly, it's, 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 uh, uh, infuriating yeah. Yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if yeah. you want to speak. I mean, that. that's, that's for a question. Um, the, the, the quick answer is, I don't know. The, yeah, the, the, the bigger, that's an honest answer. Yeah. The, the bigger one is, you know, my dad fought cancer for, for three decades. Um, he had bone cancer back in 77 and almost died um, before I was even born um, and continued to, to, to fight different variations of, of cancer until his death. I honestly would have thought he would have died of cancer because he had cancer, congestive heart failure, diabetes, wow. um, and, and, and all these things. And then he dies of, of you know, falling in the backyard. You, you, you wow. think like this tough cookie who made through all this stuff how the heck did you go out like that right um and so i i often wondered you know because as a a kid you know the the ability to go outside and play catch and shoot the hoops a whole lot just wasn't really possible for him the medication he was on made him tired he was in bed all day he he was um you know on disability for pretty much the majority of my life pretty much all my whole life and so not being able to experience my father in ways that i saw other kids experience theirs that was tough you know, and in a sense, cancer robbed him of that, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you, and, you, and you think and I, I know other people that have battled it and, and, and won, you know, lady I used to go to church with. She she had breast cancer and, you know, and I was in, in, and fought it and, and, you know, had the surgery and did the chemo and and came out on top of for it, you know. And and I mean, that's, that's there's all kind of diseases and chromosomal issues and AIDS, all this kind of stuff. You could even say that that's caused by people. But, you know, uh, all, all these things that, that happen in, in the world, I mean, even just like cars, brakes going out. I mean, like, I mean, you can say that's a manufacturer issue. There's so many things that just happen that you wonder, like, man, that, that kind of stinks. Like, why, why does, was that, why does that exist? You know? And honestly, I, I may in some ways wonder that probably until I leave this earth, you know, and there's, there's going to be questions I think in, in my, in my heart that I, that I will, I really won't know. This is why. You know, and 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 I, and I and I think that there has you know even my this is almost a a different direction, but it supports what what I'm thinking. Uh, there was a time when my wife and I were dating, or what the say in the church we're courting, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and and there came a point where. I had questions about, is she the one or, or what about this God? Or what about this? Is, should I move forward? Should I pop the question? I even know I had a ring, all these things. And it got to a point where the questions didn't matter anymore. And it got to a point where the answer to one or two questions almost made up for the, 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 the lack of answers for the others. I knew that she loved me. I knew that she loved God and I knew that she was for me. And so all this other stuff about, oh, we're going to be able to make it if this happens or what if this happens or what about my career? I don't know what I want to do in my, my life. <laughs> Still there right now. And <laughs> nine years later. Yeah. Welcome uh, to the right? club. You know, and, and, and so the answer to the main questions made all the other ones not as important. And I don't mean to demean that for people because this, this is a big question and this question that I have too. Right. So it, it resonates for me. It hits home for me because of my, my dad, my dad's mother died of breast cancer when he was three. So he didn't even grow up with a mom mm-hmm. and, and she, she had breast cancer, you know, and, and, and they didn't have the technology back then that could help you get through it. And, you know, and I could go to my cousin who died in 2010 cancer. I was praying for her. And then as I was praying for, her, I get a text message saying that she's dead. I mean, you get, you just name it and it's there, you know, and, and there's these questions like, well, geez, you know, my my hope is that in in the midst of it that that we wouldn't let viruses win you know 
because I, I think the the hope is is that uh, what we refer to as the enemy or the devil, and people get this image of horns or whatever. But there, there's there's light and there's darkness. The the hope is that these tools, these these instruments of of the 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 evil one will 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 take us out, will rob us of of believing in God to show us that He doesn't exist. There's these tools that He uses. This is deception, right? To say that that okay, well let's let's allow cancer to, to hit this person. Let's allow this car accident. Let's allow this drunk driver to 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 hit this person and they die and the drunk driver lives. Let's allow my cousin when she was a teenager had a boyfriend and broke up with him. He shoots her in the head and she dies and he's still alive. Let's let's talk about these things, right? That are real. That that really happened. And because these things happen, now I'm going to cause you to not believe. They're tools. They're 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 these instruments that are designed to to push us away from God. Because think about it. If if God wasn't if God is real and there is evil and they're opposing enemies, they somebody wants to they both want to win. Right. And then this argument with Professor White and, and, and black, they in a sense want to want to win. They want the other mm-hmm. person to see where they're, they're coming from. And if and if we believe, you know, that if there is a, if there's really evil and there's really good then we got to we got to believe that they don't like each other very much. Well, I, I would have to also say that if if that is a scenario, yeah. then the tools that God is giving his people aren't very good. How so? Because I've yet to see a miracle. The book of Acts, right, promises yeah. that you're able to perform signs, miracles, and wonders. I've yet to see, you know, blind people be healed or, yeah. you know, it should be not a thing for cancer to be healed like that. Yeah. So I think that the question we have to ask ourselves is, does, does God cease to be real because healing doesn't happen 100 percent of the time? And does does I'm saying I haven't I've seen it zero percent. Well, well, I've I've, okay. I've experienced it. Um, you know, I remember a buddy of mine in college. Um, this is when I was doing campus ministry, and uh, as a guy, I was kind of mentoring, and uh, his grandmother was sick, and uh, they basically said she wasn't going to make it. And so my buddy and I, uh, we were we had him in a car with us, and we're gonna we're gonna pray for her. You know, and, and we just go, we just prayed for like days. It was like two or three days in a row. Keep us, keep us, keep us updated. Keep us updated. We want to pray. We go, we're praying for, we're praying for, tell her we're praying for. And, and, and literally like two, three days later, he, he calls me and he puts his grandmother on the phone and I heard this sweet old voice on the line and they said she recovered. It was like a miracle. And, 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 she, and she's like, thank you for praying for me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and so have I saw somebody who was blind? Um, see, I haven't seen that. Have I seen leprosy? Nope, don't want to. I've seen some bad acne. I haven't seen leprosy. Haven't haven't seen leprosy. (laughs) You know, same thing for for a lot of fifteen-year-olds. Right? I'll I'll pray for acne too. You know, and 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 I've I've, you know shared stories with you where I've prayed and 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 nothing's happened, and Mm. people have gone on to 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 pass away, and I've talked to other people who have seen miracles and legs grow out and and. People, I mean, uh, my mom goes to a church where a husband was in a, in a coma for, I want to say, a few months, and they thought he was going to die. Had him on life support, and he woke up from it. So there, there's 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 stories that I that I know of, and if I haven't witnessed it firsthand, I'm close to enough to people to where I I, I vouch for for their integrity to well, I, I believe that's true. See, the the difference there though is, are those miracles, or are those like you believe they are, and yeah. that's awesome, but other people might say. Uh, those aren't necessarily miracles. Yeah. Those are good timing mixed with good medicine mixed with with a uh, uh, 
a strong will of the person to yeah. get over those things. And, 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 and that's the lens, right? That's the, that's the <clears> professor <throat> White and the, and, right. the, and, the, and the black lens. And, and so the, the, the question would be is, I think, what's the risk factor? Right. We, we leave this earth sure. and, and we all uh, yeah, we yeah, all I die. See. I see. Yeah. Right. Might as well. Right. And, 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 so I'm not, and I'm not saying just do it anyway. See what happens. Roll the <laughs> dice, bro. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but but I, I think that, to, you know, Wes mentioned this earlier about the, the, the need to pursue truth, whether whatever, regardless of your, your, your belief system and your worldview is to, that we always want to find truth in things. And so the, the question isn't as much as what happens when we live, but what happens when we die? You know, and, and I think we sometimes focus so much on the, the the time we have here on Earth that we forget about what happens after that. If you believe that there is time after Earth, right? right. Depending on your your perspective, <laughs> and, and and so for for those who don't believe that that there's anything after death, then hey, live it up. You know, if there's no heaven and hell, if I believe that, I'd be at the party club right now. I wouldn't be here. I'd be at the club. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so if, so if, there, if I there, don't know, yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll, I don't know. I, I think you've been at the club. I think you've had. Hey, I had fun. I yeah. will say the last and party I, think, I went to, I think you, I was like, that was a good bang to go out on. I'm just saying. Oh, there you go. I think I think you are you are so happy and in love with your wife and your children that that no amount of how little you could believe in God would make you want to go to the club anymore. I would disagree. <laughs> but we won't, you, we won't you, let your wife listen uh, to this. Uh, that's okay. Well, she would. She would also disagree. Yeah, okay. Uh, because I mean, we. I mean, she's. We're honest about this. We tell people. I mean, our first year, we were at, the, at each other's throat. I mean, and so, um, believing in God doesn't promise happiness. You know, and there's and there's a distinct difference between, I think, joy and happiness. Joy is a is a choice, right? In the midst of difficulty, you choose to 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 not only look at your situation a certain kind of way, but to respond to it a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so as less about, you know, this thing making me happy, but me choosing to say that I'm going to exhibit love and, and, and be a certain kind of person regardless of my environment. I don't know. I mean, I think that's Christianese. I think, mm-hmm. I think you're, well, you, this is, this messed me up a lot. Okay. Keep it real, brother. I think joy is actually a synonym of happiness, right? Technically speaking. Now I think it's beautiful that you're redefining it as a choice and something that, but technically speaking, I think joy is like, it is the same. If we're going to, we can't, change happiness and joy i think they're interchangeable um you think so you think joy and happiness are the same yeah i mean in terms of actual like webster (laughs) 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 because here's the thing Uh, man google it listen google it listen i got fed so much bullshit in church (laughs) that i came and i would start having these conversations Uh, with people who with english degrees and they'd be like that is not what that word means (laughs) all right i gotta go (laughs) (laughs) well i i think i think for me is is it's, it's important to go no context, right? It's just like when you do math problems, you, you talk about symbols and pi and what it means, right? Yeah. You give meaning to it. And so I think that for, for me, when I look at joy and, and ha- I look at happiness and when I, from the viewpoint, Webster aside. So, you know, so I look at happiness as simply yeah. being a feeling like my wife does something nice for me. She irons my, my shirt for me. And then she, she brings me a sandwich or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, you love me. That makes me feel happy, you know? Or, or and, but for me, joy is different. You know, my, my, my daughter's name who passed away, her middle name was joy. First name Addison, and and to me it had it had a deeper meaning uh, because you know that wasn't a happy time for us. Yeah. You know that, that was a sad time for us. But I remember my wife and I going to to, to California, and we spread our daughter's ashes uh, in the ocean, and and we 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 told the we told the photographer that we want this to be a happy moment because we want to remember the moments that we had with her. We wanted we wanted her name to have meaning. 
Mm-hmm. We wanted it to be joyful because we believed that she was going to be a person that we, we named her. We prayed about her name. You know, we, we talked about what she's, she was going to be like in a personality. And so to us, it, it, it was more. I, have, I, have, I wear this necklace around my neck. It's a cross. Her ashes are in it. And, and, his, and his kara is, is Greek for joy. And so for, for me, it's more than just how I feel. It's 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 what I it's what I stand for. It's it's what I, I choose to to believe as far as when I when I trust God in the midst of something, even if it's difficult, that means I can have a smile on my face and it, it doesn't have to be fake. It can be real. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can come from a it's deep like place. It's like an overar- yeah. overarching uh, emotional state of being. And joy, and, right? and sometimes it's it's not even all emotion. I mean, just, it, it could be, it's, it's all encompassing. It's something that I, I choose with my mind. It's something I choose with, with my heart. It's something that I, that I believe, you know, would you call that like the feeling of God? Like if you, if you feel, you know, this, or if you have not necessarily even feel it's just like an aura. I, w- I would say it's part, I would say it's part of it. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that, you know, one of the talks, uh, the Bible talks about fruits of the spirit and one of the fruits is, is joy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so when you think of that, I think that, it's it's what I would call you know fruit, but not the root, right? The 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 root. If you if you go into the soul of of who I am as an individual, my hope is that you would see that my my roots are reaching towards God's presence, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. and that out of that comes the good stuff. Yeah. And if you see the bad stuff, it's probably where I'm not reaching for them like I should be, yeah. uh, you know. And and so that, I mean that's the way I like to 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 see it at least. Yeah, I mean that's, I've always loved that idea of you know what is in somebody comes out whenever you squeeze it, the whole yeah. idea of olive yeah. oil, like yeah. or yeah. flower sense. And yeah. it's like yeah. anytime you're grinding it up, you really get to find out what it's made of. And, yeah. Yeah. um, certainly you're one of those people that you, yeah. you press them and nothing but the good stuff comes out, man. man. I appreciate that. You ought to ask my wife that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm in process. <laughs> so let me do this. We've been like, Throwing questions at you, whatnot. Do you yes, have any yes. hard shots you want to take at us? Like, yeah, because you're, like, you're more than welcome right. to. Hey, at least we're not both on one side of the yeah. table. I know, right? I know. Right. It's, yeah, all it's all love here. Broken. It's all love here. Yeah. Uh, you know, for 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 you guys, you know, and you can answer this how how you how you see fit. You know, what? Because you you grew up uh, in in the Catholic Church, and so there was an element of faith that you 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 came to to being based on your household and what 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 have you. What were the steps for you that that led you to lean more towards being agnostic um, compared to the faith you originally grew up in? Um, I started using logic instead of just faith. I started thinking of, and I, and I started looking at the Bible as, as a book um, and a guide. So, so it was kind of like a, okay, it was a, this is the definitive word of God. That's how I grew up. And then it turned into a more of a, okay, no, this is, this is more of a guide. We're not going to cut off hands here. You know, we're like, like it's, yeah. Um, it's more of a guide, a spiritual guide and a a moral guide, you know? And then as I was looking at it as a moral guide, I started looking at history Mm -hmm. and I started realizing if this is a moral guide and people that are following this have done what they've done. Yeah. This is not a moral guide. Yeah. And a lot of, and then I started looking at it even, you know, like, like deeper and, yeah. and seeing like, I, it, it's very 
honestly, it's just just very disturbing. Yeah, yeah. That's I true. mean, there yeah. there are. Don't get me wrong. There are beautiful moments in it, and there there is amazing sentiment, and a, a lot of what what Jesus says in it is is just gorgeous. But there is a lot of stuff that I absolutely do not agree with. Yeah. yeah. Um, fundamentally yeah. in a lot of ways, and and then I started really just thinking about like like how it how it feels how it would feel if terrible things were to happen to me. Hmm. And I can tell you right now, my faith would be gone. Hmm. I mean, it is, it's, it's essentially like I, I'm, I'm, I not atheist. Hmm. I, I, I do think that there could possibly be God and the devil. Sure. Why not? I can't say for certain there isn't, Right, right. you know, that would just be, ridiculous. How am I supposed to know? But at the same time, thinking that there is a God that can allow just horrid things to happen, not because of other people, because that is obviously he gave us free will. It, yeah. It's just, it turned in, it was basically me not having my parents over me hmm. saying, go to church Sunday, hmm. go to church Sunday, go to church Sunday, read the Bible, yeah. you know, and then looking at like, wait a minute, if I don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, I'm going to hell. Yeah. I can't, I can't get on that train. Yeah. yeah. I can't, cannot. Oh, you mean to tell me that his, his chosen people don't believe that Jesus was the son of God and they are damned. I cannot ha- hang on that. Yeah. And that's just one yeah. thing. And th- so to answer, yeah, that's, right. that's great. Answer, that's great. Yeah. That's then it should have been. Sorry. No, no, that's great. That's great. That gives context. Um, but you know, it, and I, the the thing is, is, and I'm very careful about this because I, you know, I don't want to discount anybody else's. Not that I think that your your faith is fragile or oh, anything. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's obviously not, um, nor should it be. But I, I have been in that world as Wes has, where you know, people can receive this kind of dialogue in a very negative way or yeah. a very just like totally different way than I intended. Yeah, this is just how sure. I feel. For sure. Yeah. Do I? know that I'm right? Absolutely not. I don't know. That's the whole purpose of agnosticism, right? <laughs> is that I don't know. And I'm yeah. willing, it's just the difference is I'm willing to say that yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to say that I, that I look at this book and it scares me Yeah. instead of just blindly following it, following yeah. it. Yeah. 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 That's fair, man. That's fair. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Thanks. <laughs> you know, it's coming. You know, it's yeah, coming. It's Wes's Sa- turn. Same question. Wes, yeah. Wes might have longer or, or very short. It's going to be very short or very long. How do you know I was ever Christian B? <laughs> so a little background context, me and Barnabas, you know, grew up in the church together, so to speak, like out of, out of high school anyway. Yeah. Uh, we went to the same church for the longest time and he now pastors at the church I used to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very devout at one point I was going into full-time ministry. And so it's a very pertinent question. And so first let me just start by, it's going to be the long version. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I'll make it brief. Don't worry. Um, but in Book of Revelations, uh, how do we overcome? Yeah. By word of word of my mouth. I mean, of man. <laughs> We've been talking a lot. I've been tired. I've been slavery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, word of uh, the blah 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 testimony. <laughs> yeah. Right. And why is the why is the testimony important? <laughs> because it's part of your story that that, that testifies to what God's doing in your, in your life. Uh, right. Yeah. And ultimately, it's the only thing you can verify. Yeah. Like 
for me, having my testimony was that was the the signature of God. Yeah. And because I can't see what's in your heart. Yeah. I don't know if you really believe in God. I, I hear you talking about it. Yeah. I can see the way you live in. Yeah. That's as far as I can go with it. For sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, we used to joke about being fruit inspectors. Like yeah. you can tell, you know, what is it, James uh, 5 or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, you know, you can tell. Uh, you can tell the tree buys fruit. Tree buys fruit. Thank yeah. you. And that's obviously a great way to go about, you know, trying to discover what someone's really about. But I can't, while, while it's great that I think, I man, I know there's at least three people that I've met in my life that I would say, man, this person really, truly, deeply loves God. Yeah. Um, and I would guess that about, you know, dozens and dozens more, yeah. but ultimately I really don't know what I do know is how much I loved God and how much I pursued the very face of God. Mm-hmm. And having done that for, let's say from 19, 99, mm-hmm. August 1st, you know, not to put an exact date yeah, on it, busting out the dates. <laughs> but from there until, you know, for a decade, let's say okay. solid decade. Okay. And I was just, I mean, I know you can't say, yeah, I know you was really pursuing God, but I know I was, I felt like you were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would agree. Like I was spending time in my prayer closet, you know, not just busy. Busting flows for Jesus. My prayer closet. Like, you know, you I, were in the closet, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. I, and, I have never, no, I, I, I'm, I've never heard of a prayer closet. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's Christianese. It's one of those things. That, oh, it's like a metaphor. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, really, I really didn't know. I'm not, I'm not playing dumb. I just didn't know. And so, you know, and, but I wasn't like just going for handouts. I was like really pursuing God's purpose for my life. And I was spending as much time as I could to get to know God and build a relationship. And, at a certain point, I said, okay, you know, it's been, let's just say 10 years, give or take. And I looked back and I said, can I actually say that I ever encountered God in a way that wasn't really just in my head? Hmm. And I was like, man, given the promises of the Bible, I can't actually say that I have any real evidence, any proof that I've ever had a conversation with God, let alone seen, yeah. you know, his actual hand on, yeah. on something. And so I was like, okay. And for the like next two years, man, I just wrestled and was just wrestling, wrestling. And most days, you know, God would win, but mm. then there was at a certain point when he didn't. Mm. And it just kind of, and from there it just became these conversations got, you know, harder and harder and harder. And at a certain point, I had all these like thought experiments that I would do that we don't have to do now, but that, that really was the core at the core of it was Mm -hmm. because I I really don't know what anybody else, man, I, I believe, and I hope, you know, that you are experiencing everything that you believe Mm -hmm. and say you are. I can't know that. Mm -hmm. And so at a, at a certain point, it just kind of clicked in my head and I just buried it Mm -hmm. honestly for a good, I don't know, six months or so. Mm -hmm. I didn't say I stopped going to church and I, and I still kind of feel bad about that because I feel like Morgan deserved like a <laughs> hey, hey, man. interview. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't come back. <laughs> like, I, honestly, because it wasn't maybe but 
a few weeks after he and I went to lunch. And he was like, man, I wanted to appreciate it. Man, that taco you bought me just messed me up. No, we, I can tell you we were, we were having a, a Tino's Greek cafe. And he literally was like, man, I appreciate you sticking around through all these rocky times. Because all that stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, yeah. it bothers me because yeah. humans are shitty. Yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of things that I'm like, at the end of the day, people are still people. Yeah. And just because they're not living out the word doesn't mean that God, the word isn't true. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be... Uh, a tricky thing to, to finagle mm. in terms of defining whether or not God exists. Yeah. And so I got to that point and I just kind of clicked it off in my head. I didn't want to think about it anymore because yeah. I had such a rough life, honestly, that I yeah. needed a God to exist. I yeah. needed there to be a heaven for me, uh, to go to after all this, yeah. you yeah. know, hell yeah. that I feel like I've lived through. Yeah. And so I really needed it to be there. But at the same time, I really was pursuing truth. Whenever I was looking at this truth, I said, is it more important for me to lie to myself and pursue something that I don't really believe is is it, there's any evidence or experience justifying it? Or is it just something that I have to deal with now and have to find a way through it? And it wasn't for, I don't know, a few months that I uh, hung out with Tiff Tiff and she was yeah. like... <laughs> I feel the same way. No, she was like, what the hell's going on, man? Because I hadn't said it out loud. I hadn't said it to anybody. She was like, are you agnostic? No. And that was the first time I had to, you know, say it with my own words. And I could just kind of feel my soul tearing away in a sense. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, this is what I am now. And it took, you know, still another six months before I could wrestle and come to terms with a peaceful yeah. uh, medium of what do I believe about the world and the universe now and how, yeah, yeah. how why why shouldn't I be nihilistic and yeah. all those kind of straw man arguments that I used to pose to, to atheists and agnostics like yeah. myself yeah. Um, I now had to address and yeah so I had to figure out what is my value system now yeah. and yeah. what do I believe uh, is the point of living and yada 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah that's yeah. the well I, I mean you've, short. you've separated the value system aspect of it from the actual religious aspect of it right oh absolutely because there there's been no proof at all that because you have religion that you have correct yeah i mean a moral compass right all right i mean we don't have to get into like apologetics no no no. i'm just i'm just making sure that we've separated okay yeah then we'll just leave it that's all because i was about to die my man was getting he was getting ready this is like a two-hour arsenal and with that yeah ace ventura has crept its way in and we can talk to you all night man i know i love it we can I'm going to start hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Please do. Just saying, dude. Any, any last parting words? Parting words. Uh, you know, I, I think that what's cool about all this is is that it creates conversation and safe places for people. Mm-hmm. You know, my hope is that even this movie does more than maybe than anybody was intended to, to be. And here's a play that, you know, Carmack writes and, and who knows what the motive was behind it. But my hope is that it would create dialogues like this. I mean, if this movie wasn't made, who knows if we'd be sitting down having this, this conversation right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good And point. so it, it created space for us yeah. to have a safe place where as friends, we can just talk about what we believe. And and, and that's cool. You know, I think that awesome. the, the, the world should be filled with opportunities where, where people can do that in, in a way that, that doesn't point the finger or, or take jabs or... or you know, but it should be learning, right? We should understand one another and understand one another's hearts. And, and I think that builds trust and that, that builds uh, something that's, that's much bigger than, than what the world in some way shows us. I, I think it shows us uh, division. It shows us hatred. It shows us, um, you know, just 
a, a level of divisiveness that 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 keeps people apart. And so I just I just think that faith doesn't necessarily have to divide us as people. Um, you know, I think that it could uh, it could we could press through all those things and and take advantage of opportunities to to love one another no matter no matter what, right? You know. And so I, I just I think mm-hmm. that's one of the values I got from from this actual movie. And I'm looking at my notes to see if there was um, in something that that was a part of my my parting words that my yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one thing that he did say that I thought was cool it was that what you do believe is what's he was talking. This is black talking to white. And he, and he says, it's not what you you don't believe is carrying you off. It's what you do believe, you know. And so um, I, th- I think we can easily focus on all the things that we, we don't believe. And 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 I think it's it's helpful for us and, and it's hard for us too to figure out what do we truly believe. And I think you alluded to that, Wes, about like, man, I have to ask We have to ask ourselves the hard questions like, do I really believe it? Do I really believe? And I think whether a Christian, whether an agnostic or atheist, we should really ask those questions and, and, and look for evidence to support it. Because if we do believe something, then our, then our life should reflect it. It should point to it. It should aim at it. It, yeah. it should be that fruit to saying, you're you're an orange tree because here's an orange. <laughs> but if you see apples and I'm telling you an orange tree, there's, something pro- there's a problem. <laughs> Either I'm a special tree yeah, or I, mean, I, yeah. I should be in an asylum. <laughs> so, you know, but so my, my heart is that whoever's listening to this um, would, would take the time to, to be open enough to, to reach across the table and talk to somebody who's different from them, who doesn't look like them, who doesn't believe like them, and, and, and enjoy it in getting to know them and understand them, and that it would create an opportunity to, to make a new friend, to understand somebody's perspective more, and even empower people to, to engage the world around them in a, in a new way. So those, those are my... Well, you got a new friend here, man. Boom. Uh-huh. And, and man, I, I wish there were more more like you in uh, in these circles of people that I know, man. It's it's been that, awesome talking to you. Awesome, I'm yeah. Too. Thank you for joining us. For sure, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a reco for the week? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, May I know what it is? I, it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I just looked at you because I'm excited to tell you it. Because it's totally gonna. It's like totally off the wall. Oh. You'll never guess what it is. Interesting. Ever. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> it's like total. I was like, let me find. Because I wanted something from time, like a time travel movie. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. As we've been doing some serious stuff lately. And I just wanted to do something that was a little bit more. That's awesome. A little bit less serious. And I wanted, I, and I, you know, I kind of want to go watch Keanu Reeves in this again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's great. There you go. Uh, my recommendation for the week is Before Sunrise. It's another kind of close, uh, intimate film with just two characters just exploring, in this case, their uh, potential lovers exploring a city in like Europe. And uh, it's a Richard Linkletter film. And it was actually the movie that turned me on to independent filmmaking um, as a you know young teenager. This was something that just kind of blew my mind. And uh, I just stumbled across it one day and just could not stop watching it. It was everything that I love uh, about life, really. It's just good conversation and um, meaningful ways that, you know, you get to just really get to know somebody. So go watch Before Sunrise. I think if anybody wants to know the difference between me and you, they need only look at our <laughs> recommendations for all of the all of the episodes because like every single episode you have here's my reason for giving you this this recommendation and i am like totally like left field like here's this random movie that has absolutely nothing to do with what we just talked about for the last hour or in this That's case awful. two <laughs> anyway so yeah. That's what makes it work. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Opposites attract. 
Awesome. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note if you'd like us to talk about a movie or something that we uh, could maybe cover that you think is interesting. Um, if you want to comment on this specific episode, you can go to thepestlepodcast.com slash the sunset limited. And uh, so we're going to do next week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do Deadpool 2. Yes, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 next week. I'm so excited about that. Uh, um, yeah, so I get to go watch it again. I'm very, yes. Yeah, it's great. Super exciting. Uh, so we're going to leave you with a quote of the day. Are we going to do the... The second one. The yep. second, okay. Uh, this one is by Carl Jung. Jung. <sighs> I've already screwed it up. <laughs> Golly, I can't read anything. Well, you should have just changed the J to a Y because you know that I read... That's exactly. A great I'm like, point. I am like, you know, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I just read what's on the prompter. Uh, Carl Jung. Uh, all right. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. I, obviously, it really reflects well on this film. And it also reflects really well a, a Bible verse. If you can guess it, Barnabas. Oh, oh, oh proverb. Let me see. <laughs> Why don't you tell us, Wesley? I couldn't name the actual verse, but as iron sharpens iron, so... That is definitely a proverb. (laughs) (laughs) I forget which chapter. (laughs) But it feels so applicable, and I love that, you know, it's coming from uh, Carl Jung. I mean, I assume he's an old Swiss uh, psychiatrist, I think, and... You know, I would assume like an atheist <laughs> because he come up with the whole Jungian archetypes and just a way of categorizing different types of personalities. You know, like if you've ever heard INFJ, INTP or whatever those things are, I don't really put much stock in them. But I think it's interesting <laughs> that I don't know. Um, he, you know, the guy that came up with that system also, you know, thinks it's appropriate to look at relationships and not just the healthy ones, but sometimes the healthy ones include irritation and when you're being irritated by something it's helping you also discover about yourself um and i just find that whole sentiment you know rather beautiful definitely Uh, i mean when i get irritated by people and that about bad drivers it's because i'm a bad driver (laughs) i have no problem saying that and if my wife were here she would she would (laughs) attest to that yeah (laughs) yeah awesome yeah, take us home. Awesome. Great. Well, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming in again. Yeah, this has been an awesome conversation. So uh, we'll definitely have you back if you'll I come. Appreciate it. I appreciate I'd love to. I enjoyed hanging out with you guys. And this is awesome. I'm honored that you would consider me to, to be part of it. Absolutely. Uh, this must be the longest special we've ever done. <laughs> Easily. Uh, it's up there. It's up there with the room. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was... That was never ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was drunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should have done that for this one. Oh, man. All right, guys. So now, join us next week. We'll do Deadpool 2. So make sure you go watch it before then so you don't have to pause it because there's going to be spoilers again. And until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Mm-hmm.